This week we have another two-part episode. In the main part of the show, our first guest is Keely Rollheiser. Keely is originally from Chilliwack, BC, but recently moved to Providence, Rhode Island. Keely got her start in the industry after high school when she landed her first job at a corporate restaurant. Keely quickly rose up the ranks and became bar manager within six months after starting the job. Keely eventually moved on to working in non-corporate, private-owned establishments and recently spent over a year working and living in Cork, Ireland. For the second part of the episode, Yelena Anter from Cocktail Vision returns to join the show. We talk with Yelena about the difference and impact of working smaller and larger trade shows. We discuss the challenges of pairing cocktails with trade show dinners. And we finish off talking about the exposure of appearing at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. With me, as always, is Dan. What is happening? Oh, uh, you know, just being awesome as always. No real change there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, so yeah. You're still awesome? Oh, yeah. I keep on telling myself that. <laughs> what about yourself? How are things going with you? Oh, it's one of those days where I wish I'd gotten into real estate, but <laughs> <laughs> but apparently that's what everybody does when they leave their career in the service industry uh, now. So yes. I, it's still doors still open for me. Yeah, it's I'm really curious. How much real estate is there to sell? Like every, I was driving behind another fucking bus the other day with another ad for another realtor in town. Like, do we really have this much property to sell? Uh, I think so. It's all those condos, all the one bedroom condos we got. There could be enough money in it for all these people. Uh, I think it's only the top couple that make a lot of cash. Right. Which is why I, I get a lot of ex realtors asking for jobs. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we have another great episode for you here today. Uh, Keely Dawson is going to be joining us in just a minute, followed by Yelena Anter, making a return to the show. Before we get to that, we should mention that if you're in the Kitchener and Waterloo area, Kitchener and Waterloo, Cambridge, sorry, Tri-City area, you're going to want to come check out Sugar Run in downtown Kitchener. It's a speakeasy. You can check out at Sugar Run Bar to find out locations, passwords, and what's going on in our event calendar. We have uh, burlesque, DJs, live music all the time. So check that out. Uh, Uptown Waterloo, it's Babylon Sisters uh, Wine and Spirits Bar. Uh, Also often have live music there and uh, DJs on the weekend. So you want to check that out at Babylon Sisters Bar on Instagram. And then finally in Preston, Cambridge area, it's the Argyle Arms. Constantly new menu changes. It's the Scottish pub there in Cambridge. Live music every weekend, open mic night every Wednesday, wing specials, happy hour, the whole thing. That's at Argyle underscore arms underscore 2023 on Instagram. Whew, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it used to be a pub and then we had to take it over the Instagram account and ugh, there, was, there wasn't a lot left. <laughs> good, yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> if you like what we're doing here on the industry podcast show, as we know you do, you should like, subscribe, rate, review. All of that good stuff helps us out a great deal. If you want to be a guest on the show, it's info at the industry club, or you can DM us at the industry podcast on Instagram, where you will find the magnificent artwork from Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co. That's Z A K H A N A H.co. Hit him up for all your graphic arts needs. And always a big thank you, full, thank you to you, Zach, for all the great work you do for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to talk about or should we just get to Keely? Uh, as usual, I have nothing intelligent to say. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Keely, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you guys? 
Doing Good. Well. Thanks very much. Keely's coming to us from Providence, Rhode Island. So let's start there. Talk to us about, are, now, are you still currently in the service industry or are you taking a break? I am still currently in the service industry. I did take a little bit of a break just because um, I was in Ireland for the past uh, year and a half and my husband and I just relocated to Providence, Rhode Island. Um, so taking a break, kind of seeing what's out there here in Providence. Um, I definitely want like a good fit. I'm used to dining. I did some the nightclub scene in Ireland. Don't want to do that again. So <laughs> I'd like to see um, kind of what's what the vibe is of the city in Providence, uh, what the people like, and see where I fit in that. What's uh, the what's the nightclub scene like in Ireland? That sounds like a nightmare. Um, it's it's bananas. Like I don't know. It's <laughs> it's very interesting. I worked at a a brand new bar like a downtown Cork, and Cork is a really cool city. It's like small but a big feel and um lots of partying people are going out every single night of the week it's a lot on the liver but yeah. it's um it's a lot of fun it's totally their culture there to just go to the bar with your friends that's, that's what you do f- seven days a week so i worked um, at a really cool place called the pav but the downstairs is a speakeasy which is more my speed um, but when i would have to work the upstairs full-on nightclub couldn't understand a word anyone was saying because it was loud and the quirk <laughs> accent is not, it doesn't sound like English. So it was really interesting. It's a lot more open-minded than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be a really conservative country, but you know, there's LGBTQ plus nights going on. There's lots of live music and uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was as a time in my life that I will not be going back to <laughs> anytime <laughs> soon working at a nightclub. So yeah. Okay. Well, let's back it up a little bit. And like, how did you first get into the service industry and where were you living at that time? Yeah. So I'm originally from uh, about an hour east from Vancouver, British Columbia, um, in a town called Chilliwack. It's it's up and coming now. But when I started in the industry seven years ago now, it's mostly pubs or chain restaurants. So I started at Earl's, uh, which is a fuller group restaurant for people who aren't familiar. And it was a corporate restaurant. It's a lot like Cactus Club, you know, modern food, kind of fusion stuff going on. And um, I actually got hired as a server, but my training shift, I went into the dish pit and I thought, wow, do you have any bar positions open? And they said, (laughs) yes. So then I started bartending. Um, I was 19. Yeah, I was 19 at the time. I had no experience um, in the service industry, obviously, because I was just legal age at that point. And then six months into it, I was loving it so much. And um, I got offered the bar management position and it just kind of went from there. My love for cocktails, wine, beer just kind of came alive and it was a lot of fun. Um, it was really different than anything I had done before, but I love the social aspect. I love the creative aspect. Um, I love the food pairing aspect. Everything was just kind of clicking for me. So yeah, that's that's how I started. And so that's pretty young to already be put into a management role at a bar. How did you yes. think of that? And like, how did like your coworkers take to being bossed around by a 19 year old girl? Uh, not well <laughs> <laughs> on either front, on either yeah. front, you know, I've always had um, just kind of a loud personality. Um, I'm very direct. I can take criticism well. And I think that's good in a leadership position like that. Looking back, I think if I had, gotten defensive or had pride, it would have been something that I wouldn't have enjoyed as much. But because I had no experience, there was nothing I could really be prideful about. And so I think um, I was moldable. And I still had that kind of loud 
direct personality. So it was a nice fit for a corporate place because I didn't have that um, defensiveness for um, criticism. I was just like taking it all in stride. Give me anything, um, any kind of feedback is good feedback for me at this point. It's just going to make me better because I really had no foundation in the first place. So yeah, it was interesting. I I was nervous, you know, you know, lots of my coworkers were, you know, 10, 15 years older than me, but it was also, you know, a lot of girls my age serving, just not really behind the bar, more on the floor. But yeah, like once, once we kind of, once they understood that I wasn't there to just be an asshole and boss them around, um, we really got in the groove of things and I was open to ideas. And um, I think they liked that kind of leadership. My bar team, um, they weren't used to that. So it was, it was actually like, it started off a little rocky, but kind of came into it. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, I still look back on it fondly, but I think it, I think it was a good thing. I was so young just because I learned so much. Um, Yeah. Did you find, cause I, I also was put into a supervisory role very young in the, in my career. And I'm sort of like you as well. I don't mind if people tell me what's up like but sometimes mm-hmm. when you're the type of person who doesn't mind that kind of feedback and constructive criticism it's harder like you kind of expect everyone else to be the same way as you yes. and <laughs> yeah did you find any struggles with that <laughs> absolutely um just i mean i think also the age was a big thing and um like you said like i like being communicated that way um so when i started to communicate that way i noticed a lot of pushback Mm-hmm. And at first, um, it hurt my feelings because I was like, it's just because I'm young. But I learned it was a really good learning opportunity that people want to be communicated to differently. And they mm-hmm. they need a softer approach. They need encouragement. And I think those are good things. And I think it actually builds better relationships with your team when it's not just like, because, you know, if I was doing something wrong and someone was like, hey, you're doing that wrong, I'd be like, oh, shit, like, let me do it right. Like, show me how to do it. Whereas I'm being really direct. Hey, you did that wrong. They're like, oh, she hates me. When that's not the case, it's just, you know, you know, the industry It's it's fast paced. I don't always have the time to sit you down and, you know, sandwich encouragement, whatever that model is that people yeah, tell yeah, you to yeah. use. I, I was having a hard time balancing people's feelings. But um, once I kind of understood that that's really important and people are different and uh, people thrive on connection, um, I think it gives you a way better leadership style. It gives you a way safer space on your team. And I think people get along better um, just when they feel valued. I also think that the, that maybe that model doesn't really apply so much to the service industry because yes, like maybe after work or on a during a staff meeting or an off mm-hmm. day, you have the time to give that sandwich yeah. approach or whatever. But when you're in the when your feet are in the fire in the middle of service, you don't have, you don't have time to no. sit them down for encouragement. You just need them to do the job properly at that time. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I think it's created this weird thing in our industry now where it's like we're all supposed to be so cognizant of everyone's feelings and emotions, but we also just need to get the job done in like the time that needs to be done when you're in totally. the service. So yeah. what do you think? Like, what, how do we balance that? That's a really good question. That's still something I'm really trying to figure out. I think my approach now is when I see someone doing something awesome or we're in the weeds together and I'm just always giving encouragement. So it's like, you know, we're in the weeds together. I'm on the well, they're kicking ass, pouring pints or making highballs. I I make note of that. And while it's happening, I want to say like, Hey, you're killing it right now. Hey, just want to take a moment and tell you like, you're doing a fantastic job. Like let's keep working hard. 
so that when something arises, they've already had that kind of encouragement all night and they know what they're doing right already. So then when I have to give them some direction, it feels a little less harsh. It's like, oh, well, she has been really affirming to me already, really encouraging. And um, maybe they're more receptive to that criticism at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like yeah. The, the era that I came up with too was like very much very harsh, like all the time. Mm-hmm. Like we, we nobody had time for any bullshit, and and you'd say it just how you like you. We just didn't talk to each other appropriately, right? Yeah. So it was very easy for people to who didn't who weren't very thick skinned to choose a different industry. And we need mm-hmm. people from all, with all different like emotional levels working in the industry. So it's good yeah. to figure out. It's just very hard to uh, at the beginning of spe- specific specifically, excuse me, to like figure out which ones need the carrot and which ones like the stick and you Absolutely. Know? Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely just, you know, a bunch of personalities doing the same job, which is interesting because it's like you never know what's going to trigger someone to um, have a bad night and all of a sudden they're grumpy on the floor and they're affecting everyone. Um, mm-hmm. How do you navigate that? How do you get them out of that um, mood? It's it's definitely it's definitely very interesting. But because I think I'm young and also a woman, people are expecting me to be kind of a pushover and I'm not. And mm-hmm. so um, I think that's really helped me in this industry just kind of have a backbone and continue to get leadership roles and have my voice be heard. And I think that's nice because I think it allows, um, you know, young women to get in this industry as well and, and not be pushed around by, you know, um, old men essentially. So (laughs) yeah. 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 Yeah, And like, so talk to us a little bit about that, like some of your struggles uh, coming up as a, a younger woman who was thrust into these roles very early, like how how talk to us about some of the pushback you got and how you had to fight to get the respect that you deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm lucky enough that where I'm from, lots of the men are in trades. So it's actually not really male dominated in the town that I grew up in. Um, so it's a very female dominated industry. However, um, you're serving mostly tradesmen. And so that's really different too, because you don't have a lot of respect from your guests. And um I'm young. Um, I'm a woman. And so, you know, it's like, oh, like I'll have an old fashioned, you know how to make that. And it's like, it's literally my fucking job. So yeah, Yeah. I know how to make it. Like it's what I do for a living. Um, So I found a lot of pushback there. And then um, I worked at a franchise restaurant. However, it was privately owned. The one location that I worked at was privately owned. And, you know, it's, it's different when it's privately owned. There's a little bit, there's a little bit of leeway on how to do things. It's not complete corporate structure you have a bit of freedom um so you know being told hey you need to do this this and this but it's like that person was never there that's hard too because it's like well this is my restaurant but i'm like hey but i know how it works i'm here every day on the floor in the weeds talking to the guests talking to your staff um making things work so i think that was hard just trying to find my footing on respecting, you know, my boss and the owner of the restaurant, but also having my voice heard like, Hey, these things don't work. And just because I'm young and just because I'm new, um, doesn't mean like I am naive on how to make it work. And so I think that was a learning curve for me, just really trying to still be direct, still be respectful, but again, having my voice heard being, you know, a young woman in this industry. So just lots of, you know, Lots of being polite, but still being direct. Lots of um, not being too pushy, but, you know, hey, you didn't follow up my email two weeks ago. So 
you know, I don't want to be annoying or naggy, you know, these words that women often are told that they are and labeled as. Yeah, trying to figure out how to do those things well. And that that was that's a hard thing to, that I continue to do. It's like, you know, a man could email me 40 times and it's not naggy for him. It's, no, it's he's assertive. professional and he wants it done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for me, it's, oh, she's annoying and she's bitchy and she's naggy. And so, you know, trying to break the stereotypes and, and um, still be, you know, professional, still be good at my job. Yeah. That's, that's, I think my biggest struggle um, that I found anyway, being is the respect from, your guests, sometimes, you know, you hire a guy and he thinks he knows more than you. And because he was a bartender at Boston Pizza and I'm like, he poured <laughs> box wine and I know a lot more than you do. So, um, you know, like. Or worse if they fucking went to bartender school. That's yeah, the, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, I went to bartender school. I know, yeah. you know, Buffalo Trace is the best whiskey on the market. I'm like, no, actually, they just sponsored your bartending school and it's good whiskey. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's not the best. Like, yeah, yeah. That's yes. funny. So are there any specific examples from like when you're actually bartending as well that you've noticed from either guests or coworkers that some sort of misogynistic, sexist sort of undertones to uh, doing your job? Because I, I've been stunned since we started doing this show. And we're a few episodes in now that like how many women I've talked to who still are getting the from like a guest, oh, I want the guy to make my drink. Like, yeah. I can't believe oh, yeah. that. I, I, like, I, I can't believe that shit still happens. Everybody oh, knows, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, and uh, I think it's interesting because the statistic is something like 70% of bartenders are women. So it's not even like a male dominated industry anymore. No, it's a female dominated um, industry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I actually, I'll give you an example. I was in Ireland is, um, it's progressive in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it's very much, it can be very misogynistic the tone to things and bartending is not really a career job there mm. um it's mostly like a transitional job or it's like you're you've been a barkeep for 80 years and you're you know 77 years old pouring guinness like it's very much either you're a college student or you're halfway in the grave so it's it's <laughs> yeah it's interesting because i'm neither so right. yeah so i had a gentleman come in with a girl and he's trying to impress her. And he's like, oh, like, are you the host? I'm like, oh, no, I'm the bartender. He's like, oh, like, uh, do you, any, is your manager here? I'm like, oh, I'm in charge right now. Oh, okay. Um, do you know how to make an amaretto sour? And I'm like, first of all, why are you drinking amaretto sour? You're a 50-year-old man. It's not going to impress your girlfriend. And um, yes, I absolutely do know how to make an amaretto sour. And he was like, okay, well, can I try it? And like, if I don't like it, can I send it back? And I was like, sure. Like, I don't give a fuck. Absolutely. A real amaretto sour connoisseur. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so um, just things like that. And I could tell that his date was very embarrassed and I was embarrassed for him because yeah. he was drinking an amaretto sour and he was being a misogynist. So I was like, <laughs> that's kind of um, how you got to look at it. Right. Like I'm just embarrassed for you. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, so it's, I'm not, I'm, I'm not new to that kind of, um, <laughs> experience with men just because, like I said, I, I grew up and started in the industry in a very like trade dominated city. And so, mm. you know, lots of, men that are either going to sexually harass you while you're serving them or will mansplain logger to you. And mm. I just, yeah, it's, it's just something that I've continued to experience. Uh, when I first started working, I would always kind of let it roll off my shoulder. Now that I've been in the industry for a while, 
Um, I'll ask them to leave or tell them to shut the fuck up. Um, and I think that's, I think that's good because I think younger women that work with me or for me see that and they understand like, Oh, Hey, like I actually don't have to be treated like that. Cause I think for a long time, it's just like, oh, well, it's a guest. So whatever the guest does, you know. Customers always write that bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's like, well, actually, like you have rights here and they're coming into your space and um, obviously treat them with respect um, until they don't treat you with respect. And then um, you don't deserve that, regardless if they're the customer and you're here to serve them. Um, there has to be that mutual respect. So, yeah. yeah. And it's probably even worse for you, too, because you also look very young. Right. Yeah. Like, so that's going <laughs> to yeah. like you having a youthful. Uh, what's the word? I'm like, uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That? Youthful appearance <laughs> is like great for you in regular life, but not yes. maybe always with your job. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, do you. Yeah. Again, like, do you know how to make an amaretto sour? It's like, yeah, um, yeah like I'm not 12. I, yeah. I do. Like, yeah. So okay. I, yeah, I agree. I suppose it's still a drink. Like I remember serving oh, that 25 God. years ago. You know what? It came back a little bit when like the whole cocktail uh, culture came back because we were doing it properly again with the uh, egg whites. As opposed oh, okay. to like that oh. shitty version in the yeah. 80s and 90s yeah, where it was just like and lime, some like lime juice from a gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit of club yeah. soap to take the edge off. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Proper drink making. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about, so you start off in BC and yeah. then how did you like give us, talk to us a little bit how you ended up in Ireland and then now in Rhode Island and what you were doing in the like work-wise? Yeah. So I had just started at a, where I was helping open in a restaurant. It was privately owned. So a bit more of my speed. I had a lot more freedom here in BC to make my own menus, create my own like um, kind of training system, um, make the bar my own, which was really nice coming from that corporate structure. I obviously had some nice foundation and I learned a lot. But now I kind of wanted to, you know, step out. I was kind of getting bored of that. I wanted to be creative. And then my now husband, I met, he's also from BC, but he was going to school in Ireland. And so we did the long distance thing for just over a year. And then I was really over the long distance thing. And so was he. So I moved to Ireland um, where he was finishing his degree. And like I said, I was into dining before working at restaurants and um, then I went to this more speakeasy downstairs nightclub upstairs. So it was a really big transition for me. On top of that, culture is different, humor is different. Um, I really felt foreign, like very foreign. And it was interesting. Like I'd never worked. I worked fast paced, and I can make a drink in a minute, but I'm not making like vodka crans and shots. Like I'm not used to the shot bar kind of vibe. And so. Um, it was hard and it was different and it was loud and I'll never do it again, but it was a great experience. <laughs> um, but that's how I ended up in Ireland. Yeah. My husband was finishing up his schooling and now that he's done, um, he, he was in med school. So he matched to a residency, residency program in Providence, Rhode Island. And so that's what brought us there. So we're here in uh, um, the U S for um, the next four years. And so, yeah, that's it. We're just kind of keep moving around different countries and it's interesting. And I think it's really awesome how much you can learn, even though it's the same industry in different parts of the world, it's just so much different. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot in Ireland and um, it, it was a really great experience overall. Nice. How long, how long were you in Ireland again for? 
Um, I was in Ireland for a year and a half. Okay. So how does that work as a Canadian? Like, did you have to get like a visa to stay that long or? Yeah. So it's nice because Ireland isn't part of the UK, but they still have like really close connections with Canada. And so you can apply for a working visa there and you get like a two day or sorry, not two day, a two year um, working holiday visa. So you're allowed to stay and you're allowed to work for two years. Um, so it was oh, really wow. easy and that's, yeah, that's what I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, a great experience for you. Like, it, and it's kind of weird how you, like most people start off in sort of a, I know you started in like a corporate style restaurant, but then you very quickly were like management and working in like fine dining. And then mm-hmm. to go back to nightclubs after that must've been quite a fucking eye opener. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely usually yeah. it goes the other way around, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. get kind of tired and burnt out and man, my mm-hmm. first night in Ireland, like it's very different. Even the working structure in Ireland, like in Canada, I'm used to all these luxuries. I'll call them now. Like overtime and like (laughs) on your hours and there that's just not a thing in ireland so you know my first shift we had just opened the bar and my first shift i worked 13 hours and i was like holy shit like my overtime's gonna be awesome like that was so much fun but man i'm burnt out you know i'm used to getting home at midnight from work at the latest and then i'm getting home at five in the morning right so Mm -hmm. it was really different but i'm like oh but my paycheck's gonna pay off then i found my paycheck and there's no overtime hours in Ireland. So you work 13 hours, you're going to pay the same wage the whole time. And it was just shocking Ooh. to me because it's not a tipping culture either. Oh, so it's that's 100%, my next question. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% just your wage. And your wage is not very high and there's no overtime. So every time you're working, you're working 12, 13 hours um, just for your regular wage. Um, but Wow. Yeah, is, is, is is it like above minimum wage at all, or is it like literally no. around? Oh God, really? no. Yeah, oh, wow. so like I got above minimum wage only because of my experience. Yeah. Um, but so like I not said, much more, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So, like I said, it's very much like uh, kids in college or old oh, men, and I so wonder. yeah, like. But man, they're really hard workers, and I we'll take that away from it because, you know, in Canada, I'm so used to my staff saying like being lazy if they're not making tips or having a negative attitude about it. And I understand that. Absolutely. Like, um, I think you should get paid what you're worth. Um, but watching these people and working with these people who are just like, no, this is my job, regardless of, you know, if I'm taking home 200 euros at the end of the night or just my wage, um, their, their work didn't change. It was very much hardworking, very friendly, great people. And um, there was no attitude about having this complex of how much I deserve, which is you should get paid what you deserve. I absolutely believe that. But it wasn't like, oh, this table like stiffed me. Um, Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to have a bad attitude for the rest of the night, which I can understand. I've I've been there, but I think I have a new perspective now coming out of that. Like, does it give you a different understanding? I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but did it give you you a different understanding of how you feel about tip culture versus non-tip culture? Yeah, kind of. Um, I still am very much for tipping culture. I think that we shouldn't really be dependent on it, but I think it's a nice incentive. And I think, you know, if you're giving service and you're doing a good job that you should get tipped. Do I agree with, you know, basically the customers paying you and not your employer? No, but I think there needs to be a happy medium. I'm not sure what that looks like yet, Mm -hmm. but going from one extreme to the other um, was really an interesting um, transition for me. And I, I think I've taken taken a lot 
away from just seeing how hard people still work and how an employer is, you know, responsible for your wages. And it's not the people who are dining at your restaurant. So yeah, like I'll definitely take that away. I don't, I don't think tipping culture should not be a thing. I'm very for tipping culture because I make a lot of money from tips. Um, so obviously I'm a bit biased, but I don't think the guest should be paying your wage. I think your employer should be paying you a fair wage. Yeah. I honestly can't imagine a worse job than nightclub in a non-tip culture. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing that gets you. We've both done the nightclub. Shitty wage. Yeah. 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 Like We've yeah. both done nightclubs before, and it's like, I used to always call it death by a million quarters, but at least you yeah. got the million fucking quarters. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't get the quarters. Yeah. yeah, we made sure it was a million quarters, too. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough wow. deal. Yeah, that's tough. Way to, way to stick it out. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, oof, it was every day, like, and the, I'm, I love the people I worked for. I love the bar I worked at. But every day I was like, God, I can't wait for this to be over. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. That, my nightclub experience was like about a four-hour shift where it was like a roulette machine that, uh, that always hit jackpots all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, quite different, quite different. Yeah. Absolutely. I, it used to drive. The one thing you did get to miss out on, though, I guess, is the fucking insult of the shitty tips oh, you would yeah. get at a nightclub. Oh, it's like, yeah. really? That's all I'm worth? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just made you an amaretto of sour. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah. But did you know how? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Tip me based on it, I guess. Has a taste. Has a taste. Yeah. Uh, That's funny. So, okay. So when you moved back to Providence and you were thinking about, so you're, where are you working now? Let's start there. So I only moved to Providence last week. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm not working at the moment. Mm. I just, I really want to see what's out there before I commit to something. Right. For sure. Um, I'm not exactly sure if I want to stay in dining or want to move into kind of distilling or wine. I really love wine. Um, I'm doing my Court of Master Sommelier right now. So oh, nice. yeah, I really enjoy the wine process, the pairing, everything about it. So I'm not sure if I want to get more into that side of things or continue um, with the restaurant. I don't think I'll do a bar again if I'm going to be doing something in in that field. But yeah, it's, it's really between dining and... Um, and wine or distilleries at this point. So I'm just trying to find my footing. I'm going to explore the city, see what the vibe is, see what they have to offer and see where I fit best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and had you spent much time in that area of the world before you moved there? No. Oh my word. No. no, I've actually only been to the East coast in North America once it was last year. My husband was doing a placement in New York for two weeks. And so um, that was the first time I'd ever been to the East coast in Canada or the U S and um I like I like the rough people. They're very like rough, but um, you can tell they got big hearts and it's mm. really genuine. And I like that. Um, it's a little bit different from the West Coast where you get this, you know, a little bit. It can be a little fake sometimes. Like, oh, I really care about you, um, but I'm going to talk a bunch of shit about you. It's right. a different kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like on the East Coast um, so far anyway, everyone's been um, so great, so friendly. It's only been a week and um, I'm, I'm really enjoying um, the culture so far. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to know it better. Yeah. I'd always rather be called an asshole to my face than behind my bag. Oh my God, so, me too. Yeah. Like, just tell me. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I'll probably well, agree with well, you. Yeah. Well, you are an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's your love language. You know? No yeah. problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you think I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Um, okay. 
So when did your love for wine start? Was this working in fine dining in BC or? Yeah, like part of the role that I took on at um, my first job being the bar manager was it was very heavily there was a lot of training in this program so if um you know you get hired you have to go through a bunch of very intense training before you're allowed on the floor which i like i think that's a really good um system to have because then people are prepared to do their job well right um so part of my role was um training on wine so i had to learn a lot about wine and obviously being 19 um, you know, my family didn't really drink wine either. They're more like if they drink bodacious, they call it like bootylicious because they don't know what it's called even. And it's like it's actually neither of those things. It's gasoline. So um, like it's it was interesting, like getting into that role and not knowing anything about wine. But once I started learning about it, I started loving it. And um, I loved talking about it. And um, that's what I, I've actually really missed that working in a nightclub. I really love talking about what I serve. But they weren't and, uh, interested in the terroir of the wine at the Irish no, nightclub? they're like, you have red or white? <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't want either of them. I want a Red Bull vodka. So can you, can you was, mix them together and make a rosé? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I just kind of fell in love, like talking about it, pairing it with food, um, how different uh, each region is. And you could have the same grape from two different places, completely different wine. I thought that was so cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love that there's like a story about each vineyard and, um, I've done a lot of traveling and tasting wine around the world. And I just, I'm really fascinated by it. I think it's a lot of fun and I think I'd like it to be more approachable. I think that for my whole time that I've been in the industry, um, it's very much like prestigious and exclusive, but I think um, every, everyone should drink it and everyone should enjoy it regardless of regardless of what you usually drink. Oh, you like a sweeter wine? That doesn't mean you're a loser. That just means you like a sweeter wine, you know? Um, like, so Yeah, it's like if you, it, the other thing is the nerdiness of it, right? Like there's yeah. people like us who like really are into it and like to talk about wine and talk about all the stuff and like get, are really fascinated by all the things you just mentioned, like mm -hmm. the grapes from different regions and the, how the terroir can affect the, uh, the wine, etc. And then there's people who just do not give a shit. Yeah. But <laughs> most people who drink eventually get around to wine, right? Mm -hmm. And they like it and would like to know more about it. So how do you think we make it more accessible to people who might not have the same sort of nerdiness that we might have for it, but like maybe with like a little bit of knowledge to drink a little bit better? Yeah, I think a lot of that, like, especially with dining, like I'll take that, that kind of go with it. So in my experience with dining, Someone's like, hey, like I usually don't drink a red or I notice that they're like, I don't really know what I want on this menu. I don't you can tell that they're not familiar with wine. I love the tasting approach. Hey, can I grab you a taster or something? Hey, what are you usually into having a conversation about it? I think makes it um, less like I'm embarrassed because I don't know what to drink and more mm -hmm. like, oh, let me discover what I like. So I think it's really about investing in your guests and investing in your staff so that they can invest in your guests as well. I think that makes it a lot more approachable and less like shameful that I've never had, you know, a Pinot Noir from California. It's like, well, that's okay. Like, you want to try one? Hey, like, do you think you'd like it? Hey, let me grab you a taster. And it's, it, I think it's just being open to the fact that, you know, people are embarrassed about, like, especially like, you know, I go out with my friends and I'm, I love wine and I'm a bit of a steward. So, you know, I'll, I'll order the bottle and then it's like, oh, well, I've never had a California cab salve. What's it taste like? It's like, well, let's just taste it. Like, I don't have to describe it to you in these big words because 
our palates are different anyway. So you're going to taste right. different things that I taste. Right. Yep. And so it's just like, I think that tasting method is just the perfect way to make it more approachable. Like just, Hey, let's have a conversation and let's see if you like it. Yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah. It's funny. Cause I thought I have like, I have the wine bar, the one wine bar and like trying to train my staff so that they can like sort of their like bring their knowledge forward to the guests who are there mm-hmm. is I get frustrated sometimes. It's like trying to find people who give a shit about it enough to yeah. want to learn the info. Right. And absolutely. But, but that's a good tip as well. Just be like, tell me what you think, tell me what you like. And then maybe they just find the ones that they like and that's what mm-hmm. they push. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully yeah. it's the pricey ones for your sake. Yeah. But, well, yeah. <laughs> right? Or at least the ones with the biggest markup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, it's been super fascinating talking to you, Keely. We really appreciate you coming on the show and wish you all the best in Providence. Uh, be interested to have you come on sometime later and tell us about the scene there once you figured it out because i spent a lot of time in new england but i've never been to providence um so i'm kind of interested but i've always been fascinated by rhode island and like what goes on there so yeah Yeah, i'm excited for it gonna be fun for you well uh stay in touch and we'll let us know what you end up doing whether it's back in dining or Mm -hmm. doing something with wine or distilling but uh Yeah. yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll get you back on in the future Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. It was nice chatting yeah. with you. Hey, no worries. Hey, quick question before you go. Well, if yeah. someone wants to find you online, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So if you want to find me online, I post a lot of my uh, recipes on actually LinkedIn, which is surprising, but I feel like it's... That nice is surprising. Little, yeah. But it's a nice little, I think, yeah. little community on there and I meet a lot of people through it. So it's pretty awesome. And so my LinkedIn is just Keely Rollheiser. Um, Rollheiser is spelled uh, hardly. So just look try your best. And, um, <laughs> on Instagram, it's, uh, um, at Keely Rollheiser as well. So I'll spell it for you this time. It's K E E L Y R O L L H E I S E R. And, um, yeah, that's sort of find me. My bartender's Atlas is linked there as well. So you can kind of see what city I'm in, uh, cause I update that accordingly. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, it's great. It was honestly a pleasure meeting you and great talking to you and wish we wish you all the best. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks again. Cool. Cheers, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. And now for the second part of the episode with Yelena Anter of Cocktail Vision. And we are back again with our good friend, Yelena Anter. How are you, Yelena? I'm fantastic. Good to see you guys. Yeah, good to you good as to well. See, yeah, good to see you too. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> good on. to good to hear you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell us, what have you been up to? What's uh, since last time we talked? Tell us about some of these events oh, you've been involved in. Man, it's been nonstop. Seriously, been home maybe two days in between each uh, trip. So you know, talk about burnout big time. But yeah. a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We just came back from uh, New Mexico Cocktail Week. And it was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was so much fun. It was small, but a lot of bars, uh, Santa Fe is pretty small to begin with, but a lot of bars, a lot of restaurants were participating. We had just a brutal couple of days of seminars and tastings. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) talk about uh, by 3 p.m. You just like, you just wiped out. You need a nap and then you start over again. But it was super fun, and I'm definitely looking forward to um, doing it again next year and uh, contributing more next year because it's just uh, 
sometimes when you do a smaller event like that, you feel more impact and it just feels very rewarding. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So like when you're in like the big ones, like the Vegas show or even Tales of the Cotter or whatever, there's so many other yeah. like, brands doing their thing, right? So like if, for a smaller one, do you feel like you get your products across a little bit better? Well, yes and no. For the for the large ones like bar and restaurant show, it was it, it just so intense, and it, it's just intense. A lot of people, just a lot of things to to deal with. And with a smaller event like that, it's a little more personal. It's uh, more intimate, and yes, you can bring your brand across more, but. Of course, the exposure is smaller as well, but more meaningful in uh, from my perspective. And it was just different. It was a different vibe. It was a week long event. I was there only for four days, but it was plenty. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of really unique cocktail pair dinners. So I see it more and more on the menus where. Uh, we used to pairing food with wine, but I see it more and more now, the demand for cocktail pairings with food. And mm. that's exciting. To me, that's very exciting. And it's very challenging at the same time. You wouldn't think so, but uh, cocktails usually, are, you know, most of it is on the sweeter side, right? And then if you're serving four cocktails with dinner, you have to be very, very careful, you know, serving four cocktails in two hours. That could be challenging. You have to balance it a little bit different alcohol-wise too. Yeah. ABV. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about your secret for pairing with different meals. Like what kind of flavors do you try and match together when, it's, when it comes to cocktails? Because wine, it is a little bit easier because, you know, uh -huh. it's like the, the flavors of the wine are already there. You, you don't have to create right. them, right? Like. Right. And it, it usually wine usually has, uh, you know, nice balance, acidity. It's mm. not too sweet unless you drink in port or something, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that with necessarily with your entree or your mm. appetizer. So with cocktails, it's a lot more challenging. And that's actually what I'm working on now. Specifically, I'm working on a VIP, a uh, couple of VIP dinners for Tales of the Cocktail that will be happening in July. But I'm partnering up with Henry Price. He has just an incredible selection of very unique spirits, just brilliant, unique, small batch spirits. And we're doing two VIP dinners and we're doing cocktail pairings for those dinners. So the cuisine will be Cajun. Mm. for you know new orleans traditional and both dinners have a completely different variety of spirits and each cocktail so the challenge is not use as many modifiers and celebrate the spirit but at the same time to serve a full full cocktail without overdoing the abv so you know i'm just i'm still working on it i'm still trying to Make sure the presentation is, you know, me over the top. <laughs> so is that your, uh, it, you're responsible for coming up with the cocktails and the presentation as well? Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. all the recipes, all the recipes, you know, and the presentation. I'll be yeah. doing cocktails like just me. Maybe Maddie will be helping me. <laughs> yeah, Maddie's always helping you. <laughs> if, if I'm lucky, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Henry Price, I, is, that, is that the guy that I met you at met that him. absence yeah, thing? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So they're doing something a little different this this year. Last year was very casual, if you remember. Yeah. You visited a couple of dinners, right? Yeah. 
just very, very casual and kind of one spirit per dinner. And then you can just try whatever you want out of their selection. This time it will be really brand, uh, very much brand specific. So four brands per dinner have to be featured one cocktail per brand, no mixing. Like, you know, I sh- they ask not to use other spirits besides the main spirit. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge, which, which I embrace, but I have only a couple more days left because I'm going to Texas on Wednesday in two days. And then when I come back, I have another trip and then a Texas restaurant association literally two days later. And then straight after is new Orleans. So I have to, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. I have so to how, really, what do you, uh, on your schedule, like how do you find time to even come up with these recipes? Cause the other thing is like, you can't just like come up with them in a notebook. You have to try them and then modify to, them. And yeah. Yeah. You have to try them and you know, and sometimes it sounds good in my head and then you put it together yeah. and you're like, mm, you know, not there yet. So you know, it's, it's challenging. So I'm planning on literally spending all day tomorrow or majority of the day tomorrow, doing all eight of them kind of finalizing them. But no, I do come up with flavors in my head. And then I'll write it down in my notes. And then I'll try it. And then I hope it works. And you're just you're just on the airplane ordering like several different yeah. airplane bottles of, of booze, <laughs> mixing it together. Uh, like, this is what I got I, time to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, not that. Hey, you know what? I wish it was that simple, but I yeah. just got all the samples of the spirit specific. So one of the uh, really cool spirits. Well, first of all, they have a brand new one that's just their own, and it's I'm not gonna even lie now because I can't pronounce it. So. Next episode. Um, okay. <laughs> but, you know, one of my favorites, a red banana oleo rum. Have you tried that one yet? No. Yeah. So that one was really unique and unexpected, like totally not what like I thought it would be. And rum mascal. So rum mascal. Of, really? Yeah, a couple of really, really cool things. And I'm just trying to, some of them, uh, they're brand new. So I haven't tried them yet. So that is challenging for sure coming up with a recipe for something you haven't tried right and is that how <laughs> is like for his branding is that kind of what he does is sort of some unusual is he's trying to do more unusual spirits yeah i think yeah. he's trying to stay with very unique spirits that you can't just go to total wine or i don't know which um stores you guys have uh in we where you one, at we have one fucking store the lcbo sucks <laughs> <laughs> no his inventory is it will blow your mind a lot of really like niche companies small batch just you know really unique unique spirits and that's what i love about his selection so it's he's always fun. fun he's like sort of a an agency distributing these spirits uh, and he mm-hmm. finds the spirits that he wants to to sell. Uh, and then so when he's doing this with the dinner, is he, he he's is he telling you which one do you have to use or can you choose? Correct. Um, yeah. OK. No, correct. So that makes so it even more me, difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They gave me a list of spirits per dinner. And uh, so each brand has uh, usually several different expressions. So I'm able to choose from like, say, four different expressions, which one I want to mix with and then take it from there. Right. So that that's the my creativity is guided by obviously the the brands and well the cuisine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so when do you get? So, the, do you already have the menu for the dinners or? 
the uh the menu yes yes, yes yeah yes. i have that uh i had that for about a week uh i had the spirits for about a week but again i, I was traveling as well so i right. wasn't able to test anything uh i literally gonna sit down tomorrow and try to knock them all out wow and so then what, what's going on in texas in Texas, so that's where my manufacturer is, right? Oh, so we're right. Going to, yeah. So exciting thing, if you remember last year, do you remember the bookstore at the Tales of the Cocktail? Yeah. Where they had just different selection of bitters and just different fun products. So mm-hmm. this year, we actually, Cocktail Vision will be at the bookstore. Oh, nice. Tales of the Cocktail the whole entire week. So I'm going to Texas to put together the kit. The retail oh. kit. So they're going to be different than, uh, slightly different than what you see online. And we're going to, and they're going to be more like in uh, kits, just the selection of different products. Oh, that is so exciting. I'm su- yeah, I'm super excited about that. We don't have a lot of time, obviously, put them together, but that's what we're doing in Texas for the next week. What, uh, what's the process for like getting into the bookstore there? Do, like, how do you, how do you break that uh, barrier? So I think it's pretty straightforward, actually, and very inexpensive. Uh, You have to, well, you have to be a sponsor, which we do in two events this year. We do in the Sensory Lab and Meet the Distillers. That's just our individual events for Cocktail Vision. Mm -hmm. So as long as you, as far as I understand, as long as you have one of the events, it's like $400 for the entire week to have your product represented at the bookstore oh, that's not bad. Yeah. on the shelf yeah it's it's incredible and of course they they take a percentage i think it's uh 40 percent i you know i don't i don't want to you know commit to the number but i want to say it's like either 30 or 40 percent that they take and um but i think it's a great exposure for the brand for the products i think it's mm-hmm. worth it yeah do so, you find it was tail it was last year your first tales of the cocktail right yep yeah and do you find that same like, for you right it was my first one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you, how did you find that experience compared to as far as sales for your product compared to like, say the Vegas show or some of the other ones you've been at? Ah, I see. So last year, because we did not, the product w- did not get as much exposures. So if you remember, we only did one event and it was at the very end of the sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it, uh, at meet the distillers and it was a very successful event. If you remember, we had a line the entire time, you know, I can't necessarily tie up the numbers directly to the event, but definitely bigger exposure for Vegas show, but also because, but also it's because we've been promoting it a lot harder right like the vegas show we've been promoting a lot more a lot more local people uh, attended that show so well it's a bigger show too right like like, yeah yeah tales of the cocktail is a little more niche it's it's set up differently as well because it's a lot more concentrated it was uh, two days yeah two days and it was just intense Uh, tales it's a week-long and it's kind of scattered, so many events happening. Uh, it's hard to capture people's attention, especially well, if you only do in one last day. <laughs> yeah. And like even I remember yeah. like walking through the like the distillers one that you were had your um stand at. And I'm like, even like you kind of get even got a little confused with the rooms you were walking through after a while, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like I don't know where, oh, I've already been through this fucking room and I didn't even realize it, yeah. right? Because I'm walking through yeah. it. Whereas the Vegas show is very much set up in like these 
you know, giant convention centers where it's like, like tra- tradition, a traditional yeah. way, like the traditional convention way entails. It's uh, it's just so many events going on. Yeah. Yeah. throughout the week everywhere it's scattered throughout the whole entire city of new orleans so it's you know it, first of all it's impossible to attend every single event plus i feel like it's a lot more like brand oriented and uh, liquor brand oriented and a lot more dramatic too like if you remember the like the cloud nine experience where yeah, yeah. i believe it was was it whistle pig uh, yeah. that occupied the entire room and the copper rom and they just put on a show so last year for example there's no way we were not prepared to mm-hmm. uh, put put out something like that and it's it's a lot more expensive vegas show even though it was expensive it was very much like you know concentrated in two days and people came to you and they knew where you were you were able to advertise exactly where you're going to be so it's, it's just such a different setup but mm. I'd say Vegas show was very successful for us, for sure. And you've had like Definitely. you've been you've been there longer too, right? Like more. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, really yeah. Well, no, this we is... definitely definitely no, do it again. Yeah, we definitely doing it again next year. It was it was great for us. Nice. Sure. Well, this is uh, always informative when we get to talk to you, Elena. So thanks it's so much. Super fun. Yeah. yeah I know it's good. <laughs> so but we, I know we had a bit of a break, but. Uh, Dan's busy tracking fucking ships in the ocean and uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm busy being a moron and opening more places. So uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And one of those days I'll visit you. Yeah, I promise. Good. And you're busy just <laughs> always. So yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So thanks for giving us the time. We always really appreciate it. And uh, everybody sure. should be looking forward to checking you guys out at Tales of the Cocktail and uh tell let's let's get together again yeah let's get together again before tales uh but uh as always cocktail.vision on instagram or cocktail.vision my website yeah take it from there all right always a pleasure elena great to see you (laughs) great to see you too (laughs) beauty thanks all right bye guys 